knowledge is definitely power. So just truly educating yourself on what your body needs and understanding how that baby grows and how you can support that baby is going to help you say no to everything else that's mainstream. Welcome back to the Freely Rooted podcast, guys. I'm Corey, and today's episode is filled to the brim with simple, practical, comprehensive information to learn more about nourishing your body in pregnancy and postpartum. My co-host Fallon and I sat down with the beautiful Noelle Kowalski. You might know her on Instagram as Noelle Covery, and she is a total trailblazer for women to guide them holistically to pursue optimal thyroid and metabolic health and reconnect to trust in our bodies. She and her husband, Nick, create courses, they offer one-on-one services, and they have created their own beauty line. It's called Forever Healthy Hair. It has everything from skincare to supplements. Fallon and I are loyal customers of theirs, and my core students are also just obsessed with this line. Noelle is also a free birther, and she's a mama to her son, Oleg, and she's just such an incredible voice for moms, especially for navigating pregnancy and postpartum. So gosh, it's such an honor to have her as our first guest. Now, when we actually sat down to record the episode, when I played it back, there was actually quite a bit of echoing happening on Noelle's end from some connection issues in the beginning. So I had to cut out the first few minutes in which we were discussing her personal health story, healing from multiple diagnoses, including skin cancer, hypothyroidism, PCOS, and HPV vaccine injury, which I'm so bummed that we had to cut out. Um, But please check out her Instagram for more info about Noelle and her story. And as a sidebar, if you are brand new to the topic of HPV vaccine injury specifically, I'm going to link my favorite book in the show notes on that topic. So please check that out, but definitely check out Noelle's story as well on her Instagram, because it was through that journey of taking charge of her health and reversing her issues that really set her on that path of helping people holistically. And I'm so inspired by her. So jumping into the episode, since we had to cut out the beginning, we're going to go right into Fallon asking her how she got into the world of metabolism and thyroid health and just go from there. Just a quick trigger warning. We will be touching on the topics of postpartum depression and anxiety. And I hope that you guys approach what Noelle shares with an open mind and walk away feeling empowered by what you can do for yourself if you find yourself in that scenario. You know, we're familiar with the allopathic approach that's often, okay, there's nothing you can do. Nothing's wrong with you. This is normal. And here's some medication, but this is not the approach that you will necessarily find on this podcast. And, you know, for my own personal health story, had I not understood that my endometriosis back in the day was a direct result of my choices and my habits and my nutrition and my environment, I never would have healed or understood how far I had gotten from God's biological design for my body and how he designed our bodies with the innate ability to heal. So in order to achieve that true healing, we cannot get there if we're not aligning our mind, our body, and our spirit. So we will talk more about that in the episode. So glad you guys are tuning in and enjoy it. So I'm curious because it sounds like you got into holistic health pretty early on were you sort of pursuing metabolic health as kind of you present it and we know it today and thyroid health, or did something happen to kind of course correct, or has that sort of been a part of your practice from day one? 
there are certain aspects to pro-metabolic healing that have like always been in my practice. Um, but no, I would not say that like I started out that way. I like found my way to the pro-metabolic way of, of eating and, and really like, I mean, it's just really physiology, the way that you, mm. you know, it's the true physiology of the body and understanding of it. And I think that is where a lot of people are confused is like that it's this diet and it's really just, you know, it's not technically like a diet. It's, Right. You're eating foods to support your metabolism, your thyroid function, your digestion. And it just so happens that specific foods are better than others for our bodies, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which then ends up is why people like view it as a diet, you know. Um, right. So I was eating a lot of those foods before, but not with that same exact knowledge. And it took me like probably five years to get to that point of understanding physiology from that standpoint because there's a lot of even in school like you know there's just so much backwards quote-unquote science and physiology that you learn and then you have to unlearn it and and yeah so um I mean it took me a while to get to that point but then once I was there it just all made sense you know like the little issues that I was having just fell off because like at that point in time like I was pretty much all healed there was just like certain imbalances that seemed like low grade and chronic like maybe my digestion was not always great and like maybe sometimes I would get cold hands and stuff my body wasn't as resilient to stress and then so once including everything you know all of the knowledge that I learned and then combining it with human physiology and understanding of hormones and digestion to its true sense uh, then my body just became in total balance you know like I have very minimal issues even to this day uh, like, and I know that the cause is like that I didn't sleep, you know, because Olek was feeding like six times or something, you know, and I, and then I also know how to remedy it. So I think that, you know, people, what people should take from pro-metabolic eating and the pro-metabolic field is just the tools to help you function within your life, you know, and understand your body so then you can make choices to help support yourself. And that's the most important thing that you're doing is making choices to to support yourself and not necessarily like being like, okay, I can't eat this, I can't eat that, you know, but just being knowledgeable about it. I do see a lot of people like being a little bit more lenient with like poofas and stuff. And I'm specific, I'm particularly not, like I'm not like that, but that's because I also understand that like I need sugar all the time. Like I'm not gonna consume the poofas because then I'm gonna get myself into a state that I don't wanna be in, you know? So you don't have to be strict with anything. You can do whatever you want, but you just need to understand the ramifications of your choices, you know, and what what choice you're making is leading to the point that you, you know, you're at basically. That makes sense. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It makes so much sense. You're like preaching. You're preaching it right now. (laughs) Sitting here just giving you a slow clap. I love that whole philosophy and really just the message you put out on your Instagram platform. I mean, that, that is literally the, 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 like the core of it, like the core value of it. And just like really empowering women and men, I'm sure there's some men that follow you as well, you know, glean from your advice of just like to really take charge of your health. And that of course, so you, you know, had that knowledge prior to your first pregnancy or your pregnancy with Oleg. Um, actually funny side note, did I ever tell you how I found your Instagram page in the first place? No, you didn't. <laughs> okay. So I feel like you'd appreciate this. I was 
on the beach in Hawaii. I mean, just picture this. It's like dream case scenario. Mm -hmm. Sun is setting. I'm having a campfire and it's me and two other pregnant friends who have been on a metabolic healing journey for a long Mm -hmm. time. And we're talking about like, you know, raw liver and raw milk and raw egg yolks and Mm -hmm. how none of us are taking prenatals. And one of the girls, when we were on the topic of supplementation, um, my friend, Melissa was like, yeah, so I've been taking Noel's, um, you know, thyro plus supplement. And I was like, Noel, she was like, you don't know, (laughs) you don't know who Noel is. I was like, I've never, I've never heard her name before. And I couldn't believe that I, that I had it. I looked up your page that night and like one of the first things I see is you totally normalizing eating like, you know, 4,000 calories a day while breastfeeding and just really focusing on food first. And I was like, my girl. So I was like, gosh, I really, really would love to have her on the podcast at some point. Um, but I felt like you would appreciate that story. So (laughs) going into pregnancy, um, I think this is like just one of those topics where people get really, there's a lot of fear. (laughs) There's a lot of fear with, with the main, like, okay, what foods do I need to be eating? And you know, what food should I not be eating? And it's, it's a lot of like, yes and no's and just surrounding that, you know, specific season, their life, their lives. Whereas what you could do as an alternative is just to really build the foundation nutritionally, you know, prior to that point, and then just keep focusing on that, you know, maybe eat more of that. And so I would love to hear, you know, about what nourishment looked like for you with your pregnancy with Olek, because I would just really want to kind of turn down that noise and confusion when it comes to the nutrition part. Um, so yeah, tell me a little bit about what food looked like. So, I mean, I pretty much ate the same foods as I did prior to pregnancy. And so, you know, the whole raw egg yolk, raw milk thing, like I didn't stop because I was already doing it. And I also truly understand that, you know, the, it's like with, I get this question all the time because of my, my egg yolk coffee recipe that I have. Um, it's like, how are you not afraid to consume the egg yolk? And it's, you need to understand where the bacteria comes from. It comes from the shell, the salmonella comes from the shell. And so it's really important to know where your, you know, your eggs are coming from and that they're coming from a clean farm. Uh, so for the most part, as long as you're getting organic pasteurized eggs, you're not going to run into that problem. Um, it's the same thing with raw milk. You know, I, I, I'll get into this later, but a lot of people be like, I had raw milk and it gave me diarrhea. Maybe they haven't had milk in a long time, but also maybe they were afraid to drink the milk. And so Mm. then they got diarrhea because they were afraid to drink the milk. So, I mean, busting all those myths. Um, it's totally safe to eat food that you are comfortable eating. If you're not comfortable eating the food, don't eat the food, you know, (laughs) and if you need to get comfortable eating the food, just do your research and understand um, what risks there actually are, you know, and obviously that might take some time. You can't just like search the first page of Google. You're going to have to do some digging or some asking, you know, because what's out there is obviously going to say, no, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't eat this, don't eat that. So for me, I had tons of raw milk. I mean, I drank like a gallon a day. Nick was going to have a fit because it's expensive. (laughs) It's also like, you know, I drink it and he'd have like nothing left. (laughs) Um, I had a ton of shellfish and smoked oysters. And um, for a while, I was doing like liverwurst in the morning on a slice of sourdough with mustard and like a, a over easy egg. 
And that was like a really great breakfast for me. Um, a ton of fresh fruit. I also ate like bags of oranges. Oh my gosh. That was like my thing during pregnancy was oranges. <laughs> and we were getting like these really good heirloom oranges at one point and then they stopped carrying them. So <laughs> I was really sad, but I had a ton of that bone broth and, you know, different uh, organ meats. And I would sneak that into like, you know, cause a lot of people don't like, like eating organ meats. I don't mind it so much, uh, but you can like mix it with raw uh, with beef and things like that and I also was eating raw beef which is something that I think is super out there for pregnant women but Mm. um you know there's methods to make sure that your beef is safe and you're getting it from a really good farm you can always freeze it for 14 days and then thaw it out um because that'll kill any bacteria uh so if you know people wanted to experiment with that but I also have had raw beef prior to pregnancy so like I wasn't afraid of these things Um, but in terms of, you know, the people like choosing prenatals over eating foods, (laughs) I always ask the question, like, what, what does the person, what do you think that the prenatals do? You know, because (laughs) you can't really convince somebody of anything. You can only help them reflect and learn for themselves. You know, I'm not going to sit there like convincing somebody like, hey, eat raw eggs, eat raw eggs, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's not up to me. You have to understand why you should eat those things. Um, and so, yeah, asking a person, you know, what do they think that the prenatals do and why they need to take them and why they would choose? Because the answer is always going to be like, well, I need more nutrients. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know, so why would you not eat more food with more nutrients in it? So that would be my second question, you know, because, and I, and I think that you just have to get the right type of woman because not every single woman is going to want to do this. Not every, I mean, there are women out there that like cannot wait till they give birth so they can just go back to drinking wine and eating McDonald's, you know, that, and I'm not out there to like change those women go and enjoy that. You know, like I am not judging it. I'm just, I'm here to educate the women that like want to change and want to improve um, their pregnancy, their child's health and their health, you know? So I'm not going to try to convince somebody that's like totally on the opposite spectrum of things, but the women that do want to get rid of the prenatals and eat the foods that are nutrient rich, I would recommend that they stick to, you know, smoked oysters are really great. They're easy come in a can, you can eat them with so many different things that taste really good. If you don't like the flavor of oysters, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I mean, there was a period of time where like a couple of weeks of my pregnancy where they like repulsed me. So I just didn't eat them. And I just had shrimp instead. And I got like zinc and, you know, copper through that. Um, having liver and you can have liver in different forms. You can have a liver powder, you can have a liver capsule, you can have it raw, you can have it in liver worse, you can have it in pate. I mean, there's different ways that you can get that. Um, but that's essential. Egg yolks, absolutely essential. You can sneak that into like a, if you don't like eating eggs or, you know, you don't want to, I don't really know a lot of people that like hate eggs, but (laughs) if you don't like it and you just want to like sneak it into something, the egg yolk coffee is great. Or like adding the egg yolk to, you know, a smoothie or, um, like an eggnog type of thing. That's always a really good option. And then like an abundance of fresh fruit, fresh juice, things like that. Um, I mean, all of those foods are really, I mean, for most people are easily accessible and they're simple. They're easy to digest. They're packed with nutrients. 
It's not complicated. You know, your life isn't going to be really complicated because the more simple your food is, like you have more time to do things that you're actually meant to do. Like the less you obsess over the food that you're eating, you can actually explore your true purpose in life. <laughs> you know, give time to your family, give time to your husband, give time to yourself, you know, um, in other ways. So I think in the sense of uh, nutrition, knowledge is definitely power. So just truly educating yourself on what your body needs and understanding how that baby grows and how you can support that baby is going to help you say no to everything else that's mainstream. Mm, such a fantastic answer. So you said earlier that you had a really good pregnancy. So I'm curious, did you deal with any of kind of the traditional pregnancy symptoms like morning sickness, fatigue, et cetera? Um, I'm going to think that the answer is no. However, we also <laughs> touch on why a woman would be experiencing these symptoms if they happen to be uh, dealing with them. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of symptoms. I did have morning sickness for like a couple of days, but the way that I remedied that was I took a massive dose of topical progesterone and it went away and I didn't experience wow. it for the rest of my pregnancy. I, I took like a hundred drops. And not only did it help me, like, I just like fell right asleep, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I also just like, didn't experience any more morning sickness. And so it was only two days of that. And wow. yeah, the progesterone really helped me, um, with like, it was in the beginning, I was at 14, no, yeah, I was at 14 weeks when like that hit. And then I didn't experience it anymore. I, you know, there was some days towards the end of my pregnancy where I felt like more constipated, but I just like increased my magnesium bicarbonate and then it went away. <laughs> and uh, I did have some acid reflux towards the end as well, like around 34 weeks. And mm -hmm. so I just simplified my foods in terms of like, I, I just, I had a lot of jello broth, like things that were not going to like fill me up that were like packed with nutrients. And then I always took like in between meals, uh, some aluminum free baking soda, and then I didn't have it anymore. So those are the, you know, the only symptoms that I really dealt with. And the fatigue, you know, that comes on and off all sure. the time. It really depends on like your state of mind, what you have to do for the day. I will say that like, I was extremely mindful of my energy output and just like not giving my energy to things and people that bothered me. Like if somebody said something that bothered me, like even if it was a friend or my family, I would just ignore them, <laughs> you know? And like, my reasoning was like, I'm pregnant. Like I'm growing a life, you know, <laughs> this is the biggest thing that anyone could ever do in the history of anything. So <laughs> yeah. <Leave me> alone. <laughs> a good excuse for so many things. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I really focused on myself and my health in that in that respect and just kind of turned off the noise. And I think that really helped. A lot of the tradi traditional pregnancy symptoms are just truly rooted in slow metabolism, low thyroid, poor digestion, and excess estrogen, as with so many other <laughs> issues <laughs> with women, you know, but but yeah, those are the, the main, those are the main things that um, need to be addressed when you're having uh, any of the, the symptoms of pregnancy or, you know, hormonal symptoms in general. And that's where, you know, the pro-metabolic eating can really come in handy and just living a mindful, low stress lifestyle, because, you know, that can all really help you to combat those terrible symptoms. So when you know the cause of something, 
it, it, you know, you can remedy it better when you're kind of like, I have no idea why I'm feeling this way. It's really hard to remedy it. Then you like resort to things that are over the counter. Cause you're like that yeah. box says constipation. So that's what I have. So I'm going to take that, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> so like understanding your body um, and how it works is the best thing. I think that you can do for yourself prior to pregnancy, during pregnancy and postpartum. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Um, and speaking of supplements and taking anything supplementary supplementally, uh, I know you mentioned magnesium bicarbonate, um, aluminum free baking soda. Was there anything yeah. else that you focused on as far as supplements during your pregnancy? I know you weren't taking, um, you know, your typical prenatals. Right. So I was taking, I took pearl powder, um, because that is loaded with different amino acids and calcium and magnesium. But also there's this traditional Chinese medicine folklore that says that if a mother takes pearl powder every day of her pregnancy, her child will have beautiful skin. And I don't know if it's true, but Oleg has beautiful skin. So I'm just going to go with it. (laughs) He's just like insanely radiant. So I'm going to attribute it to the pearl powder. (laughs) Um, They also do radiant skin. So pearl powder was great. Um, I took Rishi at night. That was something I was taking prior. I did take our Thyro Plus formula uh, throughout pregnancy. And then I, I took um, a low dose of USP aspirin throughout. And um, that, you know, that just helps us support your thyroid um, progesterone production. And, you know, it's, it's helpful for fatigue and overall body pain when you're pregnant. And I took about 50 milligrams. It was a low dose, but I did take it every day. Mm-hmm. And that was it for my supplements. That's amazing. You've given such good pregnancy information. So let's talk a little bit about postpartum. So I'm guessing, you know, most of these principles obviously carry through, but in addition, what would you say are the most important ways to support your body postpartum, especially if you're going to be a nursing mom and, you know, you're trying to establish a really good strong milk supply? Yeah, I mean, I would really plan for your postpartum. You know, that's something that I did share with Kiara on her podcast is Nick and I have planned like our lifestyle out and our lives out with like what it was going to look like with Oleg for a long time. Um, So I knew that my postpartum, I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to rest. I wanted to just like sit outside in the sun with Oleg and nurse him and just like recover and so preparing foods ahead of time, making sure that you're, you're consuming supportive foods. This is not the time to be, I've seen so many pictures of like women in the hospital, like with McDonald's. And I'm like, this is a terrible message to send to people. This is not the time to be like junking your bodies. You are still in like <laughs> go mode here, right. you know, um, you just be fully nourishing yourself so you can nourish your baby, especially if you're planning to, to breastfeed. Um, so I did focus on a lot of saturated fats from raw butter and coconut oil, raw milk, um, lots of fresh fruit and juices. Of course, we had stewed meats and organ meats and different prepared things like in the freezer, bone broth. Um, I ate kanji, which is, you know, a traditional Chinese medicine, um, sort of soupy rice dish that you can add different herbs and things to. Uh, so I had that. I I did have oats for a little bit, but then I, I was like overproducing in milk. So like I cut back on that so I could lower my prolactin a little bit because um, the oats will, it will increase your prolactin. So if you do want to establish a strong milk supply, you know, a small amount of oats um, per day is, is okay. But I would say focus more on um, 
things that are going to establish um, proper hormonal balance like vitamin A and cholesterol. So continuing with that liver and continuing with your saturated fats from raw butter and raw milk, super important. And raw milk is such, or just milk in general, if you can't get raw, grass-fed, organic, organic, something that's not fortified, um, I, I really think that that's such a, a great addition to a postpartum and just pregnancy in general. It increases your calories. You know, that's going to give you the excess um, energy to spend on your own body healing, on producing milk for your baby, and then also, you know, just having that nutrient um, stores built up. Uh, so you do want your calorie calories to be higher, but not higher in junk. People have like a misunderstanding of that. They're like, oh, you eat high calories. Like, how do you get that? It's like, if you drink a couple quarts of raw milk a day, like you're pretty set. <laughs> I can tell you that, you know, you can add things to the raw milk too. And it's so simple postpartum because sometimes you're just not into making a meal. And luckily for me, like I had Nick, we actually don't have like any like support system here. So I really did only have him postpartum. My parents came to visit for like a couple of days, maybe like <clears throat> a week or so after Olek was born. And they mostly did stuff around the house. Um, but yeah, it was mostly, it was just Nick and I. And so we just planned ahead and I didn't, I didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, I was posting to Instagram and not answering messages, but sharing what I was doing and kind of giving people ideas and stuff. Um, but yeah, just mostly resting, nourishing my body and, uh, you know, allowing myself the time to connect with Olek and, and, you know, moving into, to motherhood. I think those are the biggest things to establish um, a, a good supportive postpartum. And it's interesting, I have a post written on postpartum and my, my sort of philosophy on it. And I did have somebody tell me that it was like a very privileged postpartum. Oh, And <clears throat> there's a big difference between like, privileged and choice, you know, mm, like, sure, what I what I did was I chose the lifestyle that I you know, that I wanted, I didn't want to be a, a working mom, I didn't want to leave my baby at three months. I didn't want my husband to leave for work. You know, so like I chose a husband who works from home. <laughs> I chose a husband that shared the same ideals for me, you know, and we planned out that postpartum together. Like, so there, there are choices that you can truly make that can help support your life if you if you plan ahead. And I think it's important to take that responsibility for your, you know, for yourself, especially in the postpartum phase, because you you can have what you want as long as you understand what your life is right now and what is capable, you know, you know, what you're capable of, who's gonna be there for you. Cause like if if I had, you know, a ton of family or something, it, that'd be great too. <laughs> you know, th then I would have had them for support too. But but I don't. So it's just the two of us. So everyone's circumstances are different. But as long as you look at your circumstances and don't compare it to other people and just plan for what you're capable of and what you want it to look like and feel like and end up like and where you want to be like, you know, three months postpartum, do you still want to be like healing from birth or do you want to be like, you know, getting ready to prepare your body for another baby? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to make those choices. And then uh, with those choices, just make the right decisions to, you know, fill the gaps, like with your nutrition, with rest, like, I think it's, 
it's important to take a nap instead of like try to get in a workout. <laughs> if your child is like still feeding through the night, I mean, mm -hmm. take that nap. If you're tired and you can take the nap, don't work out. Like, you know, looking at all these different stressors as well, um, you know, there's certain things that we can't control. Like we can't control what kind of child we're going to get, right? Like how they're much, how they're going to be and how much they're going to feed and how needy they're going to be. And Oleg is so needy. He's like, wants to be on my boob 24 seven. And I personally love it. Like I adore this phase. Like this is like my favorite thing ever. Like I'll be so sad when he decides that he doesn't want it anymore. <laughs> but you know, I realized that it puts a stress on my body regardless of what I want. So I have to do things in order to like mitigate that stress and that's increasing my calories, making sure that like I'm nourishing myself and, you know, I'm not going to go and start working out when I have had four hours of interrupted sleep, you know? So I think it's being mindful of those things too. Totally. I love that. Like you simplify, simplify it down to stress and nutritional foundations, because I think so many people go into the postpartum period, especially in the Western world. And they're like, Oh, I guess my body's broken. You know, I it can't, yeah. I can't produce enough. And, um, gosh, it's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories now of women that I've spoken to personally, where, you know, first baby, they were told like by lactation consultants, you know, your body just doesn't, it's sorry. You know, it doesn't, you've done everything you can. You've exhausted your efforts. It just doesn't produce enough. And then second baby, <laughs> not even, a yeah. thing, you know, once they understood yeah. the whole stress and nutritional foundations, um, yeah. you know, that, that whole entire foundation and how it affects your body so much in that healing phase. And so in the same vein, would you say, so like kind of switching over to the topic of typical things that, um, you know, we hear are very normal to go through postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, um, I think there's a lot of confusion and misinformation about these as well of just like the actual root causes of them. And I mean, really, I think what people face as their hardest obstacle, if they are struggling with this is the easiest route. And in their mind, the cheapest route is to get immediate relief, right? Like immediate relief for them might be medication, um, because there's not really a lot of information about like, okay, what's actually happening right now. And why is my body, you know, why is my body showing up these symptoms in the first place? So I would love to talk a little bit about postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and kind of your thoughts on that. And, you know, what you would address if a woman was coming to you with these issues. Yeah. So it's in it. I'll segue into it with a comment that you made about the lactation consultant, like saying like, you know, you've exhausted everything. That's just a form of suppression. And that's something that comes about tons in motherhood and in pregnancy and just being a woman in general. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of the issues arise when we agree to the suppression. Wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when we, when we agree that that's true. Um so I'll segue into the, the, the postpartum depression from there. But uh, first, I, I definitely want to look at the, the word, you know, and the context in which it's used because meanings change with context. And regarding depression and anxiety, these are all psychological um, imbalances. 
And psycho actually means spirit. And that's anything that affects, you know, it's anything that affects someone's spirit. And inherently, that will affect their physiology. So first, and foremost, when talking about these imbalances, it's important to um, address like where it's coming from. So um, the main thing that I think physiologists get wrong is that they try to fix the body, then the mind, then the spirit. And really it needs to be the spirit, the mind, then the body. The body is not at cause, it's an effect you're at cause. The, and the only thing that can be at cause is a spirit, is you. So the state of the body can influence a person and shift their spirit. So that's true. And an example of that can look like a woman who gains weight, like not pregnant or anything, and they might get really down on themselves, you know, and then that physical change is going to affect their spirit. But there are many people out there that are extremely happy and they're overweight in the world. So it's a choice. <laughs> so yeah. it definitely comes down to that choice. Um, but depression isn't caused by physiology. It's um, caused by psychology. It's caused by, you know, you. And the word depression, it just means descent to press down. Um, so depression is just the pressing down of the spirit, pressing down of their emotions, their thoughts, their beliefs, etc. So it is this stress, you know, in that word <laughs> depression, there's stress. Um, so if you keep pressing down, you will eventually see it physically. And depression and anxiety are just really emotions and our thoughts, our thoughts, enough of our thoughts, they become emotions. So that's where our emotions truly come from. They're not one and the same. So if you think something enough, then you'll feel it. <laughs> you know, if you say I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat over and over and over and over and over again, eventually you will feel fat or you'll feel the emotion that you've now evoked. <laughs> um, so some emotions are definitely more helpful than others. Um, but emotions can become a problem when they are kind of misaligned. And I guess um, another example of this, which I've experienced with my own mother, is um, when someone is in, like, in grief over a happy moment. So like my mom hugging me, but she's in tears, you know, because she lives far away and I'm here, but she's experiencing a happy moment, but she's in constant grief because she's away from me. Mm. So that's a misaligned that would be a misaligned emotion, just for an example. Um, so sometimes it really can be helpful to withhold yourself and withhold your emotions and know when to release them. But when it's chronic and that chronic withholding um, can just become a problem. And that is when it can sometimes form into the depression. And women, like I just mentioned, tend to be suppressed regarding motherhood and pregnancy. And, you know, the lactation consultant's a good example of that, but also just like for working moms, like you get three months maternal leave. <laughs> so the anxiety kicks in because you're like, oh no, I only have three months and then I can't care for this child anymore. And it can lead to the, the depression. And that's just a lack of support for mothers. And so anything that will stop or invalidate a woman's ability to be a mother can lead to depression, especially postpartum. 
And so, like I said, that suppression leads to depression. And it mostly happens when a mother agrees to the suppression. So they agree to it. So when the lactation consultant says, you just exhausted all of your abilities, you just can't do it, you can't produce milk. And then you're like, you're right, I can't. So what happens? You become depressed because then you suddenly agree to it. So depression is just a feeling of hopelessness and apathy. And a lot of the women experiencing postpartum depression have the consideration that absolutely nothing can be done, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, um, it could be another example. It's like, it could be triggered by weight gain or inability to lose weight after and, and like agreeing to the fact that and the consideration that your body will never be the same. And this can occur because somebody is like, my body never was the same, right? And then she projects it onto you to suppress you and now you agree to it, now you're depressed. <laughs> mm. So you see a lot of what we're experiencing postpartum in terms of our anxiety or depression really comes from our self. And a simple solution for you know avoiding that and helping that is expression. So X means to exit and to press out. So someone's expression and expressing themselves is just pushing it out. And that's very helpful because then you're no longer depressing it, pushing it down. So you want to push it up and out. <laughs> and then anxiety is really just a constant thinking without a resolve. So there's a difference between depression and anxiety. And a lot of people like clump them as one. But anxiety is like a thought like it's just a thought that comes up all the time, but you don't have a solution for it. So it's an obsessive thinking about a problem with no solution. And so when you don't pos uh, pose a solution for that problem, it just keeps persisting. And then that you know anxiety just keeps coming up and keeps occurring. And so to bring that all together, your thoughts really do create a physiological change. So the root cause is a person and mm -hmm. their consideration, their thoughts, their views of life, and then people make choices based on those viewpoints, but they all start off with a person, whether it's you or whether it's somebody else that you're agreeing to. So it's really important to understand that regardless of what you do on a physiological you know, standpoint or anything you do in terms of nutrition, in terms of supplementation, if you continuously have stressful thoughts or you continuously have bad thoughts all day long you'll never feel better mm. you know so it's I and, and and I know that that's probably not the like solution most people are wanting to hear um <laughs> but it's true <laughs> you know because we can't help ourselves um physiologically unless we help ourselves psychology psychologically um so with all that being said um postpartum, there's generally two shifts that tend to happen from a physiological standpoint. And that's prolactin elevates because progesterone drops. And when progesterone drops, thyroid hormone drops. Now, progesterone stimulates the release of thyroid hormone. Thyroid hormone regulates prolactin. Progesterone is the precursor for testosterone. Testosterone is a precursor to dopamine, and dopamine opposes prolactin. <laughs> wow. Important to understand that. But so basically, when prolactin goes up, it decreases dopamine. So prolactin and dopamine need to be in balance. And things that increase dopamine treat depression and lower prolactin. 
So things that that on you know a tangible level, aside from like in your mind, that can really help with that is getting adequate sunshine, vitamin D through the sun. Um, taking vitamin B6 is very helpful. Um, ginkgo biloba, ginseng, uh, dietary zinc through like oysters, shrimp, shellfish, things, shellfish, things like that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any more that I can suggest. Um, Creatine is a good one. And then aside from that, basically anything that's going to improve progesterone and thyroid will like overall help with postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, so yeah, that that is those are my thoughts on postpartum depression and anxiety. It, it definitely comes from yourself, but it can be posed from somebody else. And I find that a lot of that happens with like lack of support postpartum, traumatic births. Um, just choosing the wrong provider. <laughs> I mean, choosing a pro, uh, like a lactation consultant who's like not going to help you like actually breastfeed and then tell you that nothing can be done like that right there is like a point of depression. Is that person suppressing you and telling you you are not capable of it? You know, maybe your your husband or your partner not fulfilling um, your expectations in the process of postpartum too. So I, I do recommend like expressing either writing it out, talking to a friend, talking to your partner, talk therapy, cognitive therapy is like a really powerful thing um, in terms of depression and anxiety. And then in terms of anxiety, actually, I think the best thing that you can do is just pose a solution to a problem, even if it's not the right solution, um, because the worst solution is just no solution. So anything um, that is going to just help the problem cease itself, you know, and that could be, let's see, I really don't want to go back to work in three months. I really don't want to go back to work in three months. So posing a solution to that problem, maybe, I, maybe I don't have to go back to work, finding another way to make an income from home, you know, finding a way to work with your partner to increase your income or, um, you know, whatever it may be, cutting back on certain expenses. So you then, it, it can be any solution, but that's going to cease that anxiety. So coming up with a solution for that. Um, yeah, I hope that that's pretty helpful. Yeah, I, lo I love how you tied in uh, the emotional component as a whole, because I think, I, you know, I look back to my postpartum time after my second son was born and I was very depressed, but for me, it came out as anger and it came out as frustration and it came out as, you know, being short with my oldest child. And so I think there's sort of a misunderstanding for women that, you know, our emotions really are so interconnected and that depression yeah. and anxiety can play out as really so many different things. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not like I was sitting in bed all day crying, but I was still depressed. It was just lashing out and showing itself in a in much different way. So I love, 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 love that you touched on that. Um, okay, so let's let's move on to speaking against kind of this bounce back culture and all of this pressure to lose the baby weight quickly. And tell us how you personally approached postpartum weight and body image. Yeah, I mean that's definitely really difficult. Um, not comparing yourself online is super key, and just like being present mm -hmm. with your baby. I mean, half of the time that women are posting like, and they're just like, they lost the baby weight immediately. You just, you don't know any of their health markers. You have no idea how their birth was. Like, you don't even know these people. Mm -hmm. Those like 
<clears throat> not getting sucked into that lie for sure. Um, because you don't know, everyone has different like financial situations, support, um, pregnancies and different issues. I have seen a lot of other women who have lost weight really rapidly and then be like my postpartum was absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. So losing weight is not a marker for health. And I think just, you know, getting that out there right there. Uh, so women can stop using that as a, a marker for health. And, and then that'll help you with postpartum and like getting that bounce back idea out of your head. Um, mm. I mean, and think about it, you take, it takes nine months to grow a baby. Why would anyone think that it would take like, you know, a couple of months, like two months for your body to like just shrink back to normal. I'm almost nine months postpartum and my body is absolutely nowhere near where I was, you know, before pregnancy. But I will say that I am ex fully nourished. I'm at a very healthy weight. Um, I've lost weight in a very, you know, slow and steady pace. I've focused on calories um, through nutrient, nutrient dense foods, just keeping stress ultra low, keeping my progesterone levels up, my thyroid very strong. I think these are the things that women just need to start focusing on. Um, but it's hard to do that if, if you are constantly comparing yourself to, to others. Um, but like I said before, not taking on like that idea that somebody else gave you, like if somebody else like didn't get their quote unquote body back, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get like your body back to where you want it to be. And this is the interesting thing is like the easiest thing of health, like the easiest of all is like change the shape of your body. Like of all the things that you can do, <laughs> you know, the hardest thing to do is repair your metabolism, is strengthen your thyroid, is, you know, heal your digestion, is have clear skin and have like nutrient stores and high mineral levels. Like those are hard things to do. Mm -hmm. It is not a feat to be skinny or to be fit. You can literally take two months in the gym and shape your body from being, you know, any, any way, any way to your ideal body. It does not take that long. So I think that that's an important thing for women to focus on too, that it's not forever. You know, like if you want your body to be a certain way, it will be that way. Just don't cut corners to get there and prioritize your health and your child's health above all, because your health, especially if you're breastfeeding, is going to translate into your milk and into your child. And the same thing with your hormones. So, you know, I it just takes mindfulness and not getting like sucked into that, that bounce back culture. And, you know, it was hard for me, for sure, not really to like compare myself to anyone else, but comparing yourself to yourself, mm -hmm. you know, it's like my body went back way slower than I thought it would. And, you know, I, I'm a very petite woman. I'm five, two and a half. And I've always been like, you know, in the 110 to like 120 mm -hmm. weight range, like my whole life. Um, and when I was really ill, like way lower, but healthy wise, you know, that's always been like my weight. And I had people tell me like, you're going to drop it so quick. And that is a form of suppression <laughs> that, that you can take on and get depressed. And I had those thoughts. Like I had those thoughts, like, why is my body not doing what it's supposed to do? You know? And it's like, no, my body was doing exactly what it was supposed to do. It just wasn't doing what I wanted it to do for, mm -hmm. I don't even know what reason I needed to like 
be thin you know, for who <laughs> you know to like run around my house with like my baby <laughs> you, know, like, you know so um yeah it's really just shifting your focus to what's truly important and that goes for just postpartum for you know into not being pregnant into preconception just being a woman in general is just focusing on those those health markers and things that are actually going to help you thrive and flourish in life you know like if i focus on weight loss i would not have the energy to spend time with my husband and fulfill you know his needs in our relationship or like go for long walks every day or you know now that Olek is like running around like run around with him if i had spent those first couple of months like depleting my nutrient stores um in order to uphold some sort of image and i think a lot of people on I mean, I had some, I deleted them, but I had some like comments on like my postpartum posts, like that I, you know, that I was fat and all these things. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not even going to acknowledge this <laughs> because it's like, you. like, who are you? First of all, <laughs> but you know, it's like, I don't know if you've ever had a baby, but <laughs> this is like regular. <laughs> Yes. You know, people go through these phases and the body takes time. And sometimes women lose weight because of the stress of giving birth and then gain the weight. And, you know, see, for me, like I didn't see like a gyno. I didn't have a doctor. We free birthed. We did everything like solo. So I wasn't like, you know, being matched up with like the average of whatever it is out there. Um, so I didn't have that going, you know, I didn't, I don't know if I like gained a couple of pounds or gained more weight, like a month later or not. But I know a lot of women do experience that. They'll go for like their postpartum appointments. They'll be like, I was down 30 pounds. And now I gained that back. And I'm like, you know, don't focus on the weight, you're stressed, like your body's extra stressed, like pregnancy is a is like, is basically like being a professional athlete. Like you're in the most stressful state possible. And the idea is to nourish your body and keep it out of stress. So you just have to keep nourishing yourself and nourish yourself to health. That should be like the motto is like, let me just nourish myself. Like every time I feel fat, let me just go get a glass of milk. <laughs> you know, I wish women would like do that and satiate themselves because the weight does come off. You know, like I didn't believe that it would because I was like, all right, I'm four months postpartum and I am like way heavier than I thought I would be. But I just woke up one day and it just sort of fell off. And now it just like, I don't even worry about it, you know? So, and I bring that up because I feel like a lot of people think I'm <laughs> online. like think I have like this perfectly like, you know, mindset about it all. And I do experience like those up and downs and um, I'm hard on myself too. I'm human in that way. And so I want people to understand that it's totally normal to have those thoughts. Just don't give into it in the sense where you're going to harm yourself for it. Mm. I mean, yeah, that's, it's not conventional to be able to just shut off the, that whole entire message of losing weight quickly or going back to your, what your body looked like. Cause I love how you said comparing yourself to yourself, because that is what I see way more often than comparing to others. Yes. There's a lot of comparing to others, but more often I, I find people just looking at a picture of themselves, you know, pre-pregnancy and mm -hmm. really wanting that body, um, instead of really cherishing what it took to be in this season that they are in, that they are in now. But I was, it was, I was laughing. I was 
Fallon and I were talking to Kitty about this too. I have a friend who she's the same two pregnant friends I was hanging out with. One of them has already had her baby pregnant. Um, we were talking about, cause none of us, neither one of us have weighed ourselves throughout our whole pregnancy. And she was like, I really, she was kind of observing how much weight she has gained. And she was like, Hey, last pregnancy, I'm pretty sure I only gained, you know, 30 to 35 pounds. And I really, really want to gain like 50 or 60 pounds this pregnancy. Mm -hmm. She was like, I'm really focusing on the raw butter and the raw milk. And because she was saying that, you know, she lost weight very, very quickly with her previous Mm -hmm. pregnancies. And she was like, I think it was actually really stressful in my body. And I, you know, developed teeth issues and I lost a lot of hair. And she was like, so I'm really trying to put on the healthy fat stores. And I was just like, if I could just take your mind and (laughs) woman around to just focus on nourishment and understand what you're investing in during pregnancy, you know, like what that nourishment is investing in. Um, and speaking about hair loss, let's move into the Q and a, because I had so many questions about, um, managing or preventing postpartum hair loss. I know you have pretty much been able to prevent nearly any of it. Is that what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't had any, um, postpartum symptoms, um, at all. It's been really great. My birth was amazing and postpartum was just yeah, really great. I haven't had any issues with prolactin, which is the, you know, the cause of all of the hair loss. And a way to remember that is like, if you know anything about birds or hens, um, when they're molting, it's because prolactin is high. So they're shedding their feathers. We did the same exact thing. Um, and ways that you would just want to help combat that is doing anything that's going to support progesterone is going to be helpful. Um, you know, making sure your vitamin A and your cholesterol are in check. And that's because those are the building blocks of, you know, all of our hormones. (laughs) And I think people don't realize that is that you need vitamin A and cholesterol to produce hormones, Um, getting adequate sleep, you know, being emotionally supportive, because that's going to keep our stress down low. And we do go into like all these specifics in like our perfect thyroid course um, and on detail and like on how hormones work and everything. If anyone's like interested in learning more about that, but really I would focus on progesterone and you can, you know, take a topical progesterone um, cream or, you know, oil. Like we just came out with our Progest Plus and that is a topical solution too. Ours is in a base of MCT oil. Um, wheat germ, the vitamin E and squalane. So it absorbs really nicely into the skin. And I think that, you know, can really help women, uh, postpartum, especially if you have like the signs of, um, high prolactin immediately after birth, or you had like a really traumatic birth or your hormones like aren't in balance prior to birth or, you know, like during pregnancy, like you're just more estrogen dominant. Um, a high dose of progesterone postpartum, like like a couple of days after you give birth can be very, very helpful. But then just, you know, supporting your liver and, um, you know, eating enough protein and supporting your thyroid and supporting um, digestion is going to keep um, prolactin from raising way too high and then preventing hair loss. And if you do experience the hair loss, we are mainstay product 
actually helps to regrow hair and it does work. We've had like a lot of men and women um, use it. So if you experience a lot of hair loss, that's something I highly recommend to check out. Okay. You mentioned supplementing with progesterone. Can we cover kind of all of the scenarios in which it would be necessary for a woman to supplement with progesterone? Because I know a lot of people have questions about this, but we don't want to, you know, kind of blindly dive into <laughs> hormone supplementation. So what are some big red flags? Like, hey, your body needs some extra progesterone support. Yeah, I mean, basically anyone who thinks that they are they have more estrogen than progesterone, um, it can be really great for anyone who is postmenopausal, who's experiencing hot flashes, they have PCOS. Um, and I know that you guys talk about like the symptoms of estrogen dominance too all the time. So I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with it. Um, but acne, you know, weight gain, fatigue, low thyroid, low digestion, like all those things are a product of, um, of high estrogen and low progesterone. And I think at this point, almost like every woman out there in the modern world you know, modern America, I would say, is pretty much estrogen dominant from our food, from our soil, from our water, from birth control, from, you know, our environment, just all the toxins. I mean, it all increases um, estrogen. So you just want to oppose that and take the, the progesterone. Um, and it's not just helpful. It's, I mean, it's helpful for pregnancy too. anyone that's trying to get pregnant. A lot of women have success who, you know, can't get pregnant taking um, progesterone, but there's ways that you can increase your progesterone level uh, levels naturally without taking a topical solution if that's like something that you prefer. But there's really no downside to taking a progesterone topically at this point in time <laughs> because, um, like I said, we have so many factors that are increasing our estrogen daily. Even if you have like regular progesterone estrogen. Uh, levels at some point in time, like because estrogen can act like a, a stress hormone. And so if stress increases, so does estrogen. So it's it is something that's nice to to have, like, if you know, if that's something you want to do, I don't ever push anyone into taking anything, any supplements <laughs> that they don't feel is right for them. But I think it's pretty much right for, for all women. Um, because it can help with keeping your thyroid function high. It can help with digestion. It can help with skin. I mean, it's just the, it's the youth hormone. It is the hormone that is like, mm. you know, and, and it depletes over time too. Estrogen rises as we age, progesterone decreases as we age. So we do, as we age, we do want to increase our progesterone levels anyways. Um, I take it every single day. Um, and you can take it different times of your cycle too. Like on our, on our um, product page, like we go into like in depth on like progesterone and its uses and who it can be for and when you can take it and all these different factors of it. So I don't want to like exhaust the topic too much, but um, it just depends what your goals are. And we do break it down too on that, on that product page. So people can really like understand like, okay, this is for me and this is when I should take it. Like I take it all the time because I'm, breastfeeding every single day, <laughs> all day long, uh, exclusively breastfeeding Olek. And, you know, I'm still postpartum and I'm not getting the, you know, amount of sleep that I would like to be getting. Seven hours would be great, <laughs> but it's, that's not the case for me. So I know that I have that, you know, that added stress. So I take it every day. And I'm also not planning on getting pregnant anytime soon. I still get my period. Um, I still ovulate. 
So everything's kind of working for me. My thyroid function is good. Uh, but some people might that have higher progesterone levels or don't have the stress of postpartum or breastfeeding, you know, their, their topical um, application might be uh, slightly different. So yeah, we do go into that on the product page on that on the website. Yeah, definitely. I mean, their website is like filled to the brim <laughs> with information. So definitely check that out. Um, so kind of another big FAQ I got on the Q and a for this episode was, um, hyperemesis or HG. And I'm curious kind of on the topic of progesterone in your experience, not having it, but just in your, in your research, would you say this is more of an estrogen dominant issue? Kind of what we were talking about earlier of, you know, low fi- low thyroid function, low metabolic yeah. function, just kind of a more extreme estrogen dominance maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So for my research, morning sickness and HG is usually caused by elevated estrogen and low progesterone. And in the extreme cases, when people have HG, um, it's just extremely high estrogen and extremely low progesterone. Um, And then sometimes there's other factors like, you know, chronic low blood sugar, high cortisol, and then high serotonin, but all that kind of goes back into the estrogen um, being way too high. so I would recommend taking a very high dose of progesterone in that case. And in, for most women that can help with, um, with the, the symptoms, but also if they have like sluggish digestion, you know, or they have like a lot of uh, endotoxin built up and they aren't eliminating daily, um, if their thyroid is very low, like there's other things that they have to do other than just like take a massive dose of progesterone. And I know that I feel like everyone in the pro metabolic field has like exhausted this suggestion, but the carrot salad or the carrot <laughs> every day, like I swear it's the thing and it works. <laughs> and people like, don't believe me. Like I'm eating the carrot. I had one a day, but it didn't do anything yet. I'm like, just keep consistent with it. I promise you it does what it's supposed to do. <laughs> um, it's just going to help support removing that excess endotoxin out of the body so the progesterone can do what it needs to do. Because if you aren't eliminating daily and you have an overload of endotoxin, that progesterone that you take in the massive dose can turn into estrogen. So you need to be eliminating properly. So there has to be that mindful use of it. But in most cases with women with HD that do end up taking the topical progesterone are eliminating, are you know supporting themselves with metabolic eating and you know, aren't extremely stressed out, uh, it works. So, and I've actually had a lot of, um, you know, messages from people that have had HD that it went away using that, using mm-hmm. the progesterone topically. All right. So another question we had come in, is there any reason to track your weight during pregnancy to make sure, you know, you're gaining enough, not too much. And I know that most women are, are functioning kind of off a traditional model of working with an OB. So maybe they're doing that already. And I think off that, I would add to, you know, we hear this range of like maybe 20 to 30 pounds kind of in the standard sphere. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on <laughs> weight gain and the ranges and what would actually fall into a healthy parameter. Yeah. I mean, I think the ma- majority of average women who are seeing OB are underweight. They're not gaining enough weight. I gained about like 55 pounds, almost 60 pounds in my pregnancy. Nice. 
Yeah. Um, and it happened very slowly. Like it didn't happen overnight. And I think that's also really important to understand, like the weight gain is important, but how you're nourishing your body to get to that weight is also important. So you're not junking your body to gain weight. You know, you're mindfully nourishing your body. Um, it's really all about nourishment and the, the weight is just like, you know, a way that we can track that too. Um, so I would say that gaining extra weight is not a bad thing. Um, I don't think it's super important to weigh yourself. I didn't really weigh myself. I just like happened to like hop on a scale in a bathroom that I was in and was like, huh, okay. You know, cause like <laughs> I wasn't tracking it. Um, but I was pretty shocked at the scale. Um, and the other thing is, is that I did go through like a period of like a couple of days where I was stressed out with like my family. And I noticed like that I, I felt like I had lost a couple of pounds. So stress plays a huge factor into your nourishment and like how your body is using that fuel and your baby is using that fuel. And I just don't think that you can go wrong with eating extra calories, nourishing your body a little bit extra and gaining that added weight, you know, is a positive thing. Like we said, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a bad thing to be overly nourished that you want to be. So I don't, I think 20 pounds is so small to gain during pregnancy. I mean, that is like, that is of concern to me. I would be Mm. like, what, what aren't you eating? You know, but I feel like people that maybe don't gain as much are also like, just skimping on their calories and they're probably taking a prenatal for all of their extra nutrients. Like they don't think that they need to like increase their calories much. And I think the modern like Westernized model of like nutrition for pregnant women is like, I don't even know what they recommend. Um, I forget the number, what they recommend for like increase of calories, but I know it's not high enough, you know, like I don't think there's a recommendation. <laughs> they don't even tell you. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't even tell you. It's just, yeah. I think that they, you know, and I think doctors mostly will like warn women about like, don't gain too much weight. Like I know when my mom was mm-hmm. pregnant, she gained about like 60 pounds with like my brother and you know, the nurses would make like comments to her, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's just not, it's not helpful. And that just goes back to the whole suppression thing with women in pregnancy and motherhood, you know, it's like, it's all around. Um, and I, yeah, so I would just focus on your intuition, nourishing your body, not so much on the scale, but if you aren't gaining enough and you know, you're not, and you're being honest with yourself about it, you can visually see it, you can feel it, then you definitely need to increase your, your nutrient intake. I love that. And I love that you put the focus back on like, um, just the idea of, again, nourishment being the foundation. I, this question came up in my course Facebook and I was telling them that, um, you know, with this pregnancy, my midwife in your first meeting, you know, it's like a two hour meeting where you're just getting to know each other and in which you're telling her about, you know, what you're eating, what your supplements look like. And it's almost like she's interviewing you in a way, um, mm-hmm. because she's just making sure like you're nourishing yourself. And after that, you don't weigh yourself once because she trusts it, It's just, it's speaking the message of, I trust that your body's going to do exactly what it needs to do. As long as you are taking care of it, um, and you're nourishing it well. And I just love that approach so much of just like my body's doing exactly, <laughs> you know, what it needs to do. So speaking of food, I'm going to wrap this up with this last question right now. I mean, what you guys were just talking about with the calorie needs, um, being too small, how 
you kind of approached like nourish, did you just kind of intuitively eat more, um, during pregnancy versus breastfeeding? I mean, you could even answer that, you know, like pre-pregnancy to pregnancy mm-hmm. to breastfeeding, however you want to answer, but did you have a big jump up once you started producing milk as well? Yeah. I mean, so pre-pregnancy, um, I definitely was not eating as much as I was during pregnancy. <laughs> like I became pregnant and I was like, I mean, the first couple of weeks I like shoveled down plates of like, we were, we, you know, I was like in this phase of like, I was making, um, like these baked cheesy, like potato gratin things. And then Mm. like Oregon meatballs with like a mushroom gravy. I was like all like farmer (laughs) comfort food. I eat so much. Nick was like, no way, no way are you eating this much? Like it is so crazy. It's like the first couple of months of my calories just like shot up. I was definitely eating with like upwards. I was like probably close to like 5,000 calories. I swear. I was like, I was just like shoveling the food and I was hungry. I was ravenous. And then it just kind of tapered off a little bit. And then throughout the rest of the pregnancy, I was like at like 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day. And, you know, I always recommend to people if they don't know what that looks like with the type of foods that we recommend um, to just like type it into like chronometer once, not to like get obsessed with tracking it, but just to have an understanding of what calories look like. Because if you don't have that understanding, it's kind of hard to like gauge whether or not you're like eating enough. I mean, you can go in- intuition wise too. Um, but I noticed that a lot of people's intuition is, is off in that way because they're concerned about eating too much. So they'll like mm. stop themselves, you know. Um, so understanding the, the the what calories like look like throughout a day is really important. Um, but yeah, I just, I was like eight and eight and eight. And then when I, the first couple of days postpartum, I was not hungry. I was very sleepy. I, you know, I was just like in this like sort of blissful mode. Like my, my appetite wasn't like ravenous. I was just like regular. I just wanted smoothies and bone broth and milk. Like I didn't really want to like eat, like chew food, (laughs) you know? Um, and then after like the first two or three days. Uh, and yeah, when my milk like full on came in, it was like back to, you know, 4,000 calories and up. And I was like snacking all the time. I was like, just like shoveling spoonfuls of butter with honey and salt and dates. And just like, you know, any chance I could get, I was just like eating that stuff. And I remember, you know, like my mom coming to visit, she's like, you're just eating a spoonful of butter. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) And it's so good. (laughs) um yeah so I do think that it's important to like increase your calories based off of the energy output that you are going through and obviously if you're breastfeeding and obviously if you went through a stressful event you need to increase your calories a lot um I know most people are not used to eating that much like at all um but yeah you can just go by intuition in terms of like allowing yourself but pregnancy pregnancy should be that time where you like allow yourself to nourish your body for sure. You know, don't hold back. Um, don't worry about the weight gain. Don't worry about any of that. Just worry about whether or not your body is being nourished, whether or not your baby is being nourished with the right nutrients, you know, like that's something that I was mindful of every single day is like when I would plan out my meals for the day or we'd go to the store, we, you know, would order like we get a lot of stuff from farms and stuff we barely like shop at the store but you know to order stuff and pick things out that 
was going to come. Like I would just plan out each day in terms of like the nutrients that, that I needed to get in order to sustain my life and my child's life. And I think that should be the number one thing that women think about is sustaining your life and your child's life through the foods that you're choosing. That's so good. I love that. That was so well (laughs) summed up as well. Um, Noelle, thank you so much for being here today. And can you tell um, the audience where like the best way to find you or to communicate with you or reach you, you're probably not in your DMs a whole lot. So, and I know you do Q and A's on your stories. So is that probably the best yeah. way for people to contact you? Yeah, the Q and A's are really great. Um, I've tried to do them a couple times a month, um, but you can find me on Instagram at Noelle Covery. And then our product page, if you have any questions about our products and different things like that, you can message at Forever Healthy Hair. And um, you can also find all of our products on the Forever Healthy Hair page and on our website. We also have, um, which in a link in my bio, we have um, our thyroid course and our other couple of courses. And something that I'm working on that I haven't actually um, talked about yet is that I am going to do a um, fertility course. So mm-hmm. that should be, yeah, so I'm really excited. It's going to be a fertility pregnancy course that's going to come out, you know, whenever I get it out there, but I'm hoping, you know, by summertime. Um, So we're going to add that to like the roster of our courses. And then anyone that takes our courses, um, you have access to Nick and I via email. So you can email us questions and different things like that. Um, But you can find a lot of that information, just like free content um, in my stories on my page. Um, Yeah. And I don't, I don't think I'm missing anything. (laughs) I think I covered all of the things that we offer. Yeah. Um, but definitely check out our products and those courses and things like that. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be the first guest. I feel so honored. <laughs> and I'm just really happy to support you guys. I love the work that you're, you're both doing and, you know, your voices in this field and for women. And, yeah, we just need more people, you know, rising up and speaking out about all the things that truly make us healthy and can help nourish us and thrive and I love that about the one thing I love about the pro metabolic field online is that like we all share and support each other and there isn't like this trying to tear each other down sort of vibe going on. Um, And maybe it's because we're all just like fully nourished. I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're not like hopped up on adrenaline and cortisol and angry. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's just like a really beautiful thing because we all just like have the same goal, which is set to help nourish people and bring more balance to the world. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And this is why you guys are here on the podcast is to, is to hear more women speaking on this. So thank you guys so much for listening in today. Um, thank you, Noel. It's our honor for you to be here. Um, and we will see you guys on the next episode.